Come on, can we put our hands together and give God a cheer? Hallelujah. Yes, God. How many are free in Christ? Let me see your hand. Come on. Can we thank God for liberty in Jesus and freedom? Amen. How many have been made free by the blood of Jesus? Let me see your hand. Come on, let's worship God for a moment for that. Lord, we just thank you today that you have set us free. And by your blood, you have broke the, the curse of sin, death, hell, and the grave over us today. Lord, we celebrate your victory, what you did at Calvary today. And we bless your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You may be seated. How many believe, and something actually, I believe in the power of prayer. You believe in the power of prayer. So we just finished our week of uh, prayer and fasting. I, I know we probably could have did more, but, um, you know, I, I don't think you ever get to a place where you pray enough. Is that right? I don't know. You've ever really get to a place where you fast enough. But, um, you know, I'm just really just been thinking all week long about a famous uh, quote, a quote from Leonard Ravenhill, just a revivalist from uh, England years ago, who said, if as long as we're content to live without revival, we will. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be content without living without revival. Amen. Without a move of God, without people knowing Jesus and feeling the touch of God. Is that okay? Amen. We don't want to do that. And I believe that the devil trembles when he sees the weakest Christians on their knees, <laughs> if that's possible. And so I know that uh, we can honestly say that today, and uh, I want to echo what so many other people have said, that today... We are facing the most frightened enemy that we've ever faced in the history of mankind. Because the Bible says that the devil knows his days are numbered. He understands there's an end coming. He understands that, amen, if the people of God get together, get a hold of what God has for them, he's in serious trouble, amen. And so how many believe in the power of prayer? You believe in the power of worship? You believe in those things? And so today, I just want to share some things that really help us understand what's going on and, and we you know just kind of are aware of what's going on I want to encourage you today and I want to just talk to you for a few moments uh, and I want to start with Isaiah chapter 59 verse 19 we'll read it and then we'll pray but I want to talk to you today about the fight for mission the fight for mission and I could call it the fight for the mission but I call it the fight for mission and Isaiah 59 verse 19 very familiar passage of scripture to a believer it says this the second half of that verse says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. How many believe that? Amen. How many believe that there is a fight for the mission of Jesus today? There is a fight for the mission today, right now. You know, uh, let me just read the scripture as we see in Isaiah 59 verse 19. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for this time of being together. We thank you, Lord, for just right now what you're doing today in our hearts and our midst, Lord. We celebrate your presence, but we also celebrate your will being done in the earth today, Lord. We pray that as we teach or share, Lord, it's going to minister to hearts, Lord, and your word is just going to break open like uh, just fresh bread and nourish us today. We just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. In Isaiah chapter 13, we find that uh, Lucifer gave his five, really, his declarations of what he intended to do. He was lifted up in pride and he said, I'm going to do some things against God. And one of the things he said is that I'm going to sit over the congregation of the north. And I have time to go into that. But basically, he wanted to gain control over the people of God. He wanted to control the church. But how many know when Jesus came, what did Jesus declare? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell 
will not prevail against it. When Jesus declared those words, he literally shut down every plan, every tactic of the enemy to rule over the church. Amen. And how many know Jesus is building the church? Amen. Yes, he is. And so that's one of the things I've noticed. And I've also noticed that when Jesus declared things or God spoke over the church, I believe that there's always a plan of the enemy to hijack that which God wants to do. Always wants to bring a counterfeit and, and, to, and to get the people of God away from the will of God and the mission of God. But I'm here to declare to you today that church, we need to stay on point in this hour. We've got to stay with the mission of Jesus today. We can't get sidetracked, we can't get distracted, or we can't get off course. How many believe we need to stay on course and stay in the mission of Jesus? Amen. And there is a fight for the mission of Jesus today. Amen. Ever since the beginning of time until when Jesus walked the earth, and even now, there is a fight for the mission. Amen. And I want to just bring some things to light today on how the enemy works, but also what God has for us as the people of God, amen, to stay on mission, to stay on point, amen. And so I believe that one of the things we read a couple weeks ago, that the Lord, I believe, the Lord has been watching what's going on. But how many believe with me that it's time for God to step in and do what He wants to do? It's time for the Lord to act. Anybody believe that, amen? And I believe that God has been watching some things. I believe God's been allowing some things. Amen. And some of us have been wondering, God, what are you going to do about it? But how many know God, and there's a time in history where God will roll up his sleeves and he steps in and intervenes on the behalf of the church. Amen. And I believe we're living in that day. I believe we're living in that hour right now where the Lord is going to act. Amen. And how many know you're not going to stop what God wants to do? Amen. There's no government, there's, no, there's nobody, no dictator, no military force that's going to stop the will of God on the earth today. Amen. And so I want to declare some things about the fight for the mission today. I want to just bring your attention to a story and, and a tremendous story assault years ago. I believe it very, is very accurate, befits today. And that is in 2 Kings chapter 19. And 2 Kings chapter 19 talks about uh, a very powerful, very fa uh, famous king. Uh, and that is King Hezekiah. I love the story of he King Hezekiah. He was just a tremendous uh, a man of God. But anyways, in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. Or I'm sorry, let me back up. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 6 and 7. So if you're taking notes, you're going to have to scribble that out. You're just going to have to hit delete on your device. But 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 6. There we go. And so it says this, it says, For Hezekiah followed the Lord in everything, and carefully obeyed all of God's commandments to Moses. So the Lord was with him, and prospered everything he did. Then he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and refused to pay tribute any longer. There was a day that Hezekiah said, Enough is enough. Amen. And during this time, one of the things that we see, these times that he was in, I'm going to go back and just give you a backstory to the times that he was in. Talk about his character, but real quick, the times that he was in, one of the things that happened is God moved on this king. Israel had gotten away from the things of the Lord. They had been steeped in culture and idolatry. They had followed the culture. They had been influenced. They would compromised some things. 
And God raised up Hezekiah to bring Israel back on point, get back on mission. And they just started getting traction when the king of Assyria came and he said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, you know, lay waste to Israel. I'm going to take over that city. I'm going to take over Jerusalem. And he said, you know, I, 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 I'm taking over so many other kingdoms, it's not going to be a problem for me to take over the people of God. But how many know when the devil decides to mess with the church, he's really got his hands full, amen. And so we see that he began to, uh, this king of Assyria began to attack Hezekiah and the people of God. And one of the things we've noticed is that the times that surrounded them were very important. I believe it's reflective today. The Bible says uh, in 2 Kings that King Hezekiah said this about the times he was living in. This is a day of trouble, this is a day of insult, and a day of dishonor. Isaiah records it this way, and he said, this is a day of trouble, this is a day of frustration, this is a day of blasphemy, this is a serious time. Isaiah said that in Isaiah 37, verse 3, he said, this is a serious time. How many believe this is a serious time? Yeah, and so he said that, and so these events that were happening, and so Hezekiah was one of the greatest uh, kings of Judah of all times, one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. King Solomon, King David, King Solomon, Hezekiah, and Josiah. The Bible records that were one of the great, some of the greatest kings in history. This guy was in the Hall of Fame and didn't even know it. And so the Bible says that the days that Hezekiah lived, one of the things that he did was that at that time, the, the times that surrounding him, is that this was a, a time of the exploration of, of sexuality. It was also the time, the heightened uh, time of sacrifice of children. It, they were steeped in Baal worship and in the worship of Molech, the god of, uh, that they would pass their children through the fire of Molech. And they were steeped in this religion. They were steeped in Baal worship. And it was all kind of perversion and sexual immorality. And they were exploring all kinds of sexuality. Doesn't it sound familiar? And so he, he lived up and he grew up in this time and lived. And, but you know something amazing happened? God moved on this king in such a way that he restored the reverence for the word of God. He restored the reverence of worship again. Restored the city of God, the temple of God. Come on, God used him to do that. And how many know that in every great revival, God's going to bring people back to the house of God? Amen. He's going to bring us back to worship, true worship. He's going to bring us back to prayer. Is that right? He's going to bring us back to the reverence of the word of God. He's going to bring us back to the gospel. Amen. And this is what Hezekiah did. Such a revival that happened in Israel because this king decided to open up the book and said, we need to live according to this book. And, um, and of course, Josiah did the same thing. And, you know, something that happened in this time of Israel, the condition of Israel that, again, they were steeped in cultural practices. They were weakened in their mission. They got away from the intention of God and they compromised and, and they were just uh, completely blinded. But the word of God brought freedom. And Hezekiah led this great revival and this great movement. Uh, and, and he said, listen, we've got to get back on mission. As the church, we've got to get back to what God intended us to be. And he brought them back to the mission. And so they just started getting traction in this. And they just started really getting uh, kind of their, their legs under of them, if you, if you will. And so they were steeped in these things. And do you know the, the plan of the enemy, as I read it, and I see it in the Old Testament, I see it now, that the plan of the enemy was to get the people of God away from Jerusalem. He always wanted to get them out of the city of God. 
And every time God began to move, he got the people back to Jerusalem. Is anybody listening? He got them back to the place of worship. Got them back to his original intent. Got them back to the will of God, the purpose of God, the mission, if you will, of God. Is that right? Got them back to that place. And so the plan of the enemy was always to get the people of God away from Jerusalem and eventually annihilate them, separate them. And so I just threw this out there that I see that this is the plan of the enemy was to get them distracted, to get them desensitized, and eventually get them destroyed. That's what I see. And you know, today I see so, so many things in the church that God warns us about. And one of our temptations as the church would be is to, is to jump on the cultural bandwagon. Come on, somebody. How many know you jump on the bandwagon and you find out it's a runaway stagecoach? Oh, my word. And, and I believe that, that just like in Hezekiah's day, the temptation is to get involved with a, a crooked generation, to compromise with uh, sacrificing children and our future and, and compromising in what we believe what God's called us to and jumping on this cultural bandwagon. How many know you see so many Christians do that and you feel so bad like, dude, you've lost your mission. You're getting so far off of what God has intended us to do. Now you're just chasing whatever fat is out there. Come on, somebody. How many know we need to stay on course? We've got to lo not lose focus. We've got to stay on mission today. Because there's a fight for the mission. Isn't that right? There's a fight for the mission. And I want to just talk to you about that today. If you're not excited about this, I am. Anyway, so one of the things I've noticed that, you know, if you're a Christian... And if you're, going to, if you're going to stand up for injustice in the streets, you better be standing up for the injustice in the womb. Is anybody listening? Too many people get on this cultural bandwagon of exploitation and all this stuff. And, and let me tell you something, you're not really, you lose the mission. You forget what's really right, what's really valuable, what really matters in this life. Come on somebody, amen. So many of you are concerned about, you know, what's happening and, and who's dying in the streets. We need to be concerned about the life in the womb these days. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so not get so caught up in the culture and so wrapped up in the latest phrases that we don't even know what we're talking about anymore. We've got to stay on mission. We've got to stay on point because there's a fight for the mission. There's not a fight for a political view. There's a fight for the mission. Come on, somebody. Amen. And, and today, we've got to stay on point. And I don't care what happens. Wake up Wednesday morning. I don't know what the future holds, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to wake up Wednesday morning, and I'm going to stay on point. I'm going to stay with the mission of Jesus. I'm going to stay to what God's called us to today. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to lose focus. Amen. Because there's a bigger picture out there, and our adversary knows it better than we do. Amen. And so we need to stay focused and fight. For the mission, amen. And look at this king, the Syria that came. And this guy, king of Syria, was, uh, and, and he just was a, a, this particular king, there was many kings of Assyria, but he, he came and, and, and this guy came. And, and one of the things that he said and about them, and some things I want to bring out that he did, some tactics that he used that were so important for today, it's, it just reminds me of today. But this king of Assyria said one of, the, one of the things that he was known for was just absolutely overtaking and uh, uh, just overpowering a culture in a city. He came in and if he said, I want that city, he would take it. He was one of the most vicious kings of Assyria that lived. 
He was powerful. He was uh, uh, intimidating. He, he just, I mean, he just was forceful. And he looked over at the nation of Israel and he said, you know what? The Bible says while he was laying siege to one city, he was killing and plundering. This is what he did. He looked over and said, we're going to take that city next. That's what he said about Israel. And so the Bible says that he was one of the worst kings of Assyria. And he had a, a terrible ending in his life. But one of the things that his name means is very interesting. His name means the sin that has replaced the brothers. Sin that replaced the brothers. How many know there, there is a battle for the unity in the church today? Amen. We're so caught up in fighting amongst ourselves. Amen. And the enemy wants to bring division. The enemy is not about unity. The enemy is not about brotherhood because he knows if we can get together, he's in big trouble. Amen. Amen. I thought that was interesting. And so this king came against him. And so let me, let me just focus in on some of the tactics that this king of Assyria used. Well, number one, he used intimidation and manipulation. The, the first thing the Bible says is he sent his ambassadors or his personal representatives and he sent them into the city among the people. And he, he sent them with a message. And the Bible says he even camped outside on the main road and just to intimidate people when they came by to, to give them the message. And so the Bible says also that he used intimidation and manipulation tactics. He went in and he, he began to lie about the leadership. He began to lie about God. He began to mock the Lord. And then the second thing he does, I'm putting it in today's context. The second thing he did is that he went and he, he used social media posts and FaceTime messages to reach I said it's today, and to reach the people. No, that's what he did. This is the Bible says this. Not only did he send his ambassadors to talk to Hezekiah, but the Bible says that he wrote letters to everybody individually, okay, about, hey, listen, don't listen to him. Don't, he's just leading you down the wrong path. Listen, I'm going to offer you something better. And then the Bible says that not only did he do that, he went a little further and he began to, the, the messengers that brought the, and put the post, let's put it that way, who brought the letters, they, they started threatening people. Listen, if you say anything against what he's going to do, you're in big trouble. You know, you're actually, you're actually someone who stands against what's good. We're trying to do what's right and you want to do something different today. I mean, you know, there's voices, all kinds of voices that are out there, right, of intimidation. And, and so he, he put these posts up, and, and, he, and the Bible says he did it to frighten and dishearten them. That's what he did. And then what is the other thing he did? He began to create doubt and fear among this. And this is some of what his social media posts and YouTube videos read. This is what they said. They said, don't let Hezekiah fool you. Nothing he can do will save you. Don't let him talk you into trusting in the Lord by telling you the Lord won't let you uh, be conquered by, by me. Uh, don't even listen to this guy. I've got something better for you. And then the third, or the fifth thing he did is that, or fourth thing he did is that he lied to them through false hope. He began to give them false hope, and he said, "Listen, I want you to leave the city. If you if you promise to give me some money and pay tribute, and then leave the city, I'll, I'll give you a, a a piece of land that's similar to what you have here." How many know that's exactly how the enemy moves? He gives you counterfeit. If, listen, if you just compromise a little bit, uh, you can still have this. I mean, it won't look the same. It won't be a God. But, I mean, it's, it's, I'll give you this, and you'll have this, and this. How many of you know the devil is the father of all lies? Someone said, how do you know the devil's lying? Someone said, every time his lips are moving. Amen. And, and that's the way the enemy works. He wants to get you off mission. 
He wants to cause doubt and fear, intimidation. He wants you to be intimidated. What he posts, what's going on in the media. Come on, somebody. This is how he attacked the people of God through the media. Now you say, I'm getting on my soapbox. No, I'm just telling you what happened back then. They had media back then. It was called letters. I know teenagers don't know what those are today, but that's what they had back then. Amen. And so he began to do this, and this is the tactics that he used. He said, if I can, I, I may not be able to come in the front door, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to write letters to everybody. I'm going to personalize them. I'm going to put them on, the, on this awesome parchment paper with a cool logo, and it's going to be right to them, personalized letter, and it's going to be so good, but I'm just going to tell them, don't listen to this guy. I mean, this, guy's, this guy is like religious. He's, he's crazy, but look at me. I, I have, I mean, I'm, you know, you know come on. And so he began to do this. And how many know the enemy, our enemy, thrives on intimidation? He thrives on lies. He thrives on one of the things, I'm going to tell you right now, he thrives on ignorance. And this is what the king of Assyria did. He played on the ignorance of these people. He said, look, if I can write you a personal letter, if I can come in some other way than the front door, and I can talk you out of getting out of God's city... Oh yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Amen. If I can talk you out of getting outside of the will of God, getting off course, getting uh, you know, distracted, that's exactly what the enemy is going to do today. How many believe that? Oh yes, he will. Amen. And he'll do it through, through but he's going to play on your ignorance. Paul talked to the church at Corinth and he said, let me tell you something. Don't be ignorant. Understand what the will of the Lord is for your life. Is that right? Putting it loosely, don't be stupid, don't be a blockhead. That's what it means. Don't be thick-headed. Understand this hour what God's will is for the church. Amen. How many know God's will is not for us to be afraid? God's will is not for us to run and hide. God's will is not for us to compromise with the culture, but to be a light so the culture will see the light and come out of darkness, amen, into the marvelous light. Amen. And so that's what God has for us, But that's how the enemy moves. I mean, that's how he works. He thrives on lying and, and tricking us and, and ig intimidation and ignorance. And so I believe that God is speaking today really to the church like never before about insight and discernment. Come on. That's why you see in the last two weeks, I don't know about you, but I've seen more people release prophecies about the future than ever before. Why? Because God begins to stir us up as the church that we need insight and discernment. At very critical times in our, our history, God always moves on the church for discernment. Amen. And so I, I believe that. And so listen, that's why you see a heightened interest in coming to an enlightenment. That's why you see, and unfortunately it's coming into the creeping of the church through worship, coming into this place of enlightenment. That's why you see it in our culture of, of things like of this total enlightenment. and under, Why? Because God is moving the church into a place of understanding and sight that you've never been able to see on your own. Come on. He wants us to move in discernment. And every time God moves in the church, the devil's always trying to do something different, right? Or do something similar. It's counterfeit. And he's trying to do that. And so... I think that that's what's happening. And we see that happening in this story, that this is what happens. He begins to intimidate. He begins to move in fear. He begins to post things and, and, and move through media. And he begins to try to come into their home and tries to speak at lies and intimidation through the media that he had at that day. And so God, I believe, is speaking to the church. And, uh, but you know something? How many know every time our adversary does something, God does something better? 
Amen. Maybe you wanted me to stay on the doom and gloom point. I can't do that. I've got to stay on the victory point. Amen. I, I focus on victory because every time the enemy means something for evil, our God can turn it around for good. Amen. Is that right? Amen. And so Hezekiah, God gave this guy wisdom on what to do. And here's some of his tactics. The very first thing he did was he cut off the water source outside the city. Why is that important? So the enemy would, start, would, would, would die of, of thirst. So that they would not receive strength. So that their source would be cut off. So at the same time as he's cutting off the source of the enemy, he's protecting the source of the city. Amen. And so he cut off the source of water to the enemy. How many know, I'm praying, I don't know if you're praying with me, but I'm believing God that some of the source of these ungodly organizations are going to be cut off. Amen. That it's going to dry up. How many know that they won by money? Is that right? And I'm believing God that the money dries up. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I'm believing God for more money for outreach centers and, and what God wants to do through the church. Amen. And so this is one of the things he did. It was so amazing that he did that. He cut it off. Now let me just say this and how does it apply to our lives. Sometimes in your life you've got to cut off what feeds the enemy. There's some things in your home that you're bringing in your home that just encourage, amen, ungodliness. Sometimes you've got to cut it off. Sometimes you've got to get rid of it. Is that right? Sometimes you've got to cut off the things that would enable the enemy to live and move in your home and your, in your life. Is that right? Is that right? And you've got to protect the water. How many know the Holy Ghost represents the water? He's the source, as Jesus taught us. Amen. And you've got to protect that. You've got to protect that in your heart, in your family, in your home. Protect what God is doing. Protect the precious Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. And so at the same time, when, when Hezekiah was cutting off the enemy, he was, amen, protecting the city. And so how many know we've got to protect our lives and our homes and our families from not what's on the inside, but what's on the, in, I mean the outside, but what's on the inside. So God wants us to do that. Amen. God wants us to continue to pray and seek Him and worship. Amen. So that the water, amen, in our lives, the source in our city stays strong. Is that right? I hope that makes sense. But the second thing he did was so amazing. You know what he did? Hezekiah went to all the weak places in the wall. Read it. And he said, we've got to fortify the weak places in the wall. How many of the wall speaks of righteousness? Building up the walls of righteousness. We read a couple weeks ago. And so what did he do? He said, we've got to strengthen all the weak places in the, in the wall. Because that's where the enemy is coming. How many of the enemy never tests you what you're strongest? He always tests you when you're weakest. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so we've got to strengthen those things. And so God says to the church collectively, listen, you've got, to, you've got to strengthen some things. You've got to strengthen the wall of prayer. You've got to strengthen the wall of worship. You've got to strengthen the wall of unity and fellowship. Come on, somebody. You've got to strengthen the wall of outreach because those are the things that are really about righteousness. And so Hezekiah began to you know, strengthen the weak places. And, and I love that because how many know this is righteousness, we talked a couple weeks ago, needs to be the strongest in the church so that it can be the strongest in the nation. And the third thing that he did, Hezekiah did this, and this is so amazing, he prayed. <laughs> how many know that, that was, that, I love that. In fact, this was the turning point in the victory right here. The Bible says, in, as it records it in 2 Chronicles, 2 Kings and Isaiah, it says that King Hezekiah and Isaiah got together. When they heard what the king wanted to do, and the, and the post and the media and all the things that were happening, they got together and prayed. How many know that's the first thing we should do? How many know that's the default mode for every Christian? Is to fall on your knees and pray and seek the Lord. 
And so this was the turning point. Isaiah said this in Isaiah 37, when King Hezekiah heard the results of the meeting, he tore his robe off and he, he, he bound himself up in, in coarse clothes or sackcloth and, and ashes and he, as a sign of humility and mourning, and he went over to the temple to pray. Him and Isaiah said, we've got to seek the Lord on this thing. We've got to pray. Isaiah 37 verse 20 records the prayer. Hezekiah says, Lord, our Lord God, save us so that all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you are God and you alone are God. Amen. How many know that's a good prayer? How many know it's not in the, sometimes we like to think that it's in the long, exhaustive Hebrew-Greek prayers. How many know it's just in the simple prayers that God hears us? It's in those times where we just fall on our knees and say, God, I don't know what we're going to do. How many have ever prayed that about your family? God, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're, how we're going to pay the bills. I don't know what's going to happen with my children. But God, all I can do is come to you and seek you. How many know God responds to faith? Yes, he does. And so this is what happened. And so this was the turning point was this prayer. How many know that needs to be one of our tactics? Is that right? We see that. And so, you know, as, as, as God began to move, one of the first things he said and spoke, he said, not only am I going to give you the victory, Hezekiah, but this is the principle. And I'm going to encourage you right now that this is a principle right now where we live and we pray. This is a good principle. He said this. He said, the intensity of the enemy is going to let up. This is exactly what he said. This year, the sieges are going to end. I think that's a good promise for this year. Is anybody listening? This year, the intensity from the enemy is going to let up. And this year, you will, you're, but, but because of that, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. That's what he said. He said, now I'm going to bring you the victory, but how many know sometimes we've got to have some sacrifices? He said, you're not going to be able to eat like you did last year. You're not going to be able to do what you did. Now, in two years, you're going to be blessed. But this year, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. How many of those the people of God, we're going to have to make some sacrifices? Anybody listening? Amen. We're going to have to do some things that are uncomfortable. We're going to have to do some things that we're just not familiar with, that we really don't like. But how many know, if it gives us the victory, so be it. Amen. If it's part of the enemy losing, we're going to do it. How many know fasting isn't comfortable? I don't call it fasting all the time. I call it slowing because it's the slowest thing that ever. I mean, it's the slowest week of my life. Come on, somebody. It lasts forever. Doesn't it? Is that right? But how many know, amen, there's no sacrifice too great for victory. Amen. When you begin to make sacrifices in your life, when you begin to make sacrifices for the Lord, amen, God, amen, always brings you through. Is that right? So how many know the people of God are going to be a little uncomfortable? We're going to have to, come on, we're going to have to make some sacrifices. But I believe God, amen, that as I look out today, I'm trusting the Lord that we're going to be double, triple, and quadruple full than we've ever been before. When the enemy lay, stops laying siege, when the enemy does his thing, and God brings the victory, come on, I believe that churches in this city are going to be more full. They're going to be more motivated. They're going to have more momentum behind them than ever before. Amen. So we're going to have to make some sacrifices in order to see the victory. Amen. And let me just tell you some amazing things that happen as a result of prayer. Number one, God heard him. How many know that's a good result in prayer? Oh, God heard him. The second thing is the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came down and one night wiped out 185,000 of them. And, it, and I think it was Brother Michael. We didn't even talk this week. He shared some things. They didn't have to do much. Esther didn't have to do much. She had to fast, she had to pray and humble herself and then watch God move. 
How many know, I'm telling you, God has been observing some things, but it's time for Him to act. Amen. And when God does it, He does it way better than what we could do. And when God does it, He does it completely. Amen. Is that right? Oh yeah, the angel of the Lord came down and just wiped out 185,000. The Bible says that when everybody got up, there was bodies everywhere. And so the king of Assyria got so discouraged, he went and he left in shame, the Bible said, went home, began to worship his false gods, and his two sons killed him right there in the temple. How do we know? They got complete victory. Amen. In Jesus' name. Is that right? Hezekiah didn't have to fight with him. Hezekiah didn't have to draw a sword. He didn't have to draw his bow. He didn't have to do anything. God gave him the victory. Amen. And how many know what we need to do is obey God in prayer and worship and living right, and God's going to fight for us. God's going to win our battles. Amen. God is the one that his hand is going to get the victory. Amen. Is that right? Amen. And so this is what we see. And so what an answer to prayer. What an answer to prayer. I mean, 185,000, these aren't just, these are soldiers and generals, by the way. There was officers involved here. I mean, God just did a work. And so, wow, I'd be like, wow, okay, those are powerful results. I don't know about you, but how many know every time I see God work, it, works, it motivates me to pray more. It motivates me to wait a little bit longer next time. It, it motivates me to say, God, amen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sacrifice a little bit more because I know when you bring the answer, when you get the victory, it's going to be awesome, amen, and totally worth it, amen. So let me just share with you as I wind this up. It's the process that ends with a, pr a promise. This is the process and a promise that we see in the Word of God that I started out with. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19, I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, from the west, people will fear the name of the Lord. And from the rising of the sun, they will reverence his glory. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. When the enemies come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will put them to flight, one translation says. The other one, translation says, for he will come in like a pent up flood with force and with, with great force that the breath of the Lord will drive him away. How many know the Spirit of the Lord begins to work on the behalf of those who seek Him? Amen. God begins to work. When the enemy comes in like a powerful force, this is a flood that overtakes the banks, that changes things, and it just completely uh, you know, overtakes things, and it devours things. This is a forceful flood. This isn't a little trickle in your backyard. This is a forceful flood. This is a mighty river that's out of control, and it's raging out of control. And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is greater than any force of any enemy. Any, come on, any, any spirit of darkness that could bring, the Spirit of the Lord is greater. That flood that comes, the Bible says that standard is lifted up against him. How many know the Spirit of the Lord is what it means? God raises up a battlefront immediately against the enemy. Amen. That's what it means. And so it, it also talks about that, that it puts them to flight. It drives the enemy away. The Spirit of God works stronger, is what he's saying here, than the force of the attack that drives it. I mean, it drives it as quick as it came. That's what it means. It, it drives it with a force that's stronger than the force it's coming with. God drives it away with a greater force. I mean, that's how the Spirit of the Lord works. Amen. And I don't know about you, but really is what he's talking about here. And he, and he says that this, the standard will be raised is the two things. The enemy of the Lord will really triumph over every attack of the enemy. Is what he's talking about. We know that. And so even if they come in like a flood, 
even if it seems unstoppable, the, the Lord will lift up a battle or a standard against the enemy and he will stop the enemy in his tracks. And not only that, but he'll drive him away. And I, that's my favorite part. He'll drive him away. How many of the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ? Amen. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about a battlefront. I want you to notice something else. Then Isaiah begins to speak of this in 59, in verse 17. Guess what it says that God begins to do? The Bible says that God begins to put on his armor. God begins to put on his armor. How many know when God gets up and he begins to put on his armor, you're in big trouble? I said when God gets, when stands up out of his throne, our enemy's in big trouble. Amen. I don't know about you, but how many had a mom that, you know, she, she would, you know, yell a little bit. But, but if there was somebody bullying you in the neighborhood, when she went out the door, when she got up out of the, off the couch, you were in big trouble. If you had to get your dad out of his favorite chair, you were in big trouble. Come on, somebody. And I don't know about you, but God is getting up out of his chair. Amen. God is getting up. He's rising up. And the Bible says, amen, that God's going to, amen, give us the victory. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I believe that with all my heart. The Spirit of the Lord, this is what it's talking about. This is the Spirit of the Lord. It's lifting up this heavenly standard in you and through you. This is what happens. He does it through the people of God. This, the standard, it, it's, it's, it's uplifted. And I want to talk to you just a second in closing about the standard. As he's talking about, because we know about the Spirit of the Lord. We know the Spirit of the Lord is greater than anything in the world. Anything that the enemy can bring. But what about the standard? See, I believe that when, one of the things that he's talking about here is, is the standard is the Word of God. The standard will always be the Word of God. What greater force can you think of that stops the enemy dead in his tracks? What greater force can you think of that turns the enemy that he'll flee, amen, seven ways? The Bible says he comes in one way, but he's got to flee seven ways. Why? Because the Word of the Lord comes against him. Is that right? Amen. And this is what happens in our life. This is the standard that God begins to, 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 to raise. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, what does the word say? If you ask him a question, he says, what does the word say? The word says this, resist the devil and flee. And the Bible says, by firm reliance on God and the devil will flee. Draw nigh to God and the enemy, or the, God will draw, draw near to you. So the Bible gives us a promise that there's something greater, amen, in our lives than just uh, it's prayer, it's, it's the Spirit of God, but there's something also, the, an equal force, and that is the Word of God. I'm telling you right now that there is a fight for the mission of Jesus. How many believe that with all your heart? There is a fight for the mission of Jesus. When Jesus was on the earth and the devil came to him and, and tempted him three times, what was it really about? Was it about power? Was it about control? Was it about worship? Certainly, we could say it was. But ultimately, what was it about? It was about the mission that Jesus was on. It was about the will of God for the people of God. It was about, for the first time in history, God opening up the doors to humanity and saying, I'm going to receive you. For the first time, God being the, you know, uh, humanity seeing Jesus as the Redeemer, God redeeming people and bringing grace to humanity. This was what the battle was all about. This is what the fight for the mission was all about. And back in Hezekiah's day, guess what the battle was all about? The Word of God. It was all about the Word uh, coming forth and the people of God staying on the mission that God had them on. And I believe in this hour that we can't get off mission. We can't get off point. We can't get to the place where we're so distracted and we're so culturally coherent that we forgot what God had in mind for us from the very beginning.
Anybody listening? Amen. So I believe, amen, that this was, this is what it's all about. Why? Because Jesus said that the gospel is going to go into all the world. Moses said this, and the Old Testament declares that the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth like the what? Waters cover the sea. And so the, the enemy brings floods of immorality, floods of intimidation, floods of confusion. But how many know the gospel brings floods of hope and life, amen, and resurrection and salvation? Can you say amen? And so whatever the enemy has in mind, God has something greater in mind. I wanted you to know that there's a fight for the mission. So this week, as we're looking at what's happening and, and in the months to come, I want you to just focus on what God is doing. And I want you to just say, Lord, I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to be cold, pulled off course. And I'm going to agree with the church as a whole, globally, the church, to stay on point. Because there's a fight for the mission. I'm going to tell you there's a fight for the mission in this city. There's so many people in this city that need to hear the gospel. There is a fight, and when you get out and you begin to, begin to declare the good news of Jesus, begin to live out the gospel, how many know you're going to receive a fight? You're going to get a fight. Come on, somebody. Amen. Is that right? Why? Because this is what it's all about right here. This is the fight for the mission. It's all about when the enemy comes in like the flood, the standard of the Lord is raised. The Spirit of the Lord brings a standard and stops him, and the enemy flees. Amen. How else? How else? Is are our young people in our city going to be rescued from drugs and alcohol? How else are our families going to be put back together? How else are people going to know that God made them male or female? How else are going to people going to know that God loves them? It's through the gospel. It's through the mission that Jesus called us to. Let's stay on point today. Let's focus on the mission. And let's not lose heart and let's fight for the mission that Jesus called us to. Can we stand on our feet today? Amen. You know, the, the true struggle today and in our, in our culture today is not really for a political party. It's for the hearts of men. That's what the struggle is all about. How many know God loves the world? The Bible says that God so loved, so passionately loved the world that he sent Jesus Christ to die. How many believe that with all your heart? That God so loved this world. And I know that so many of you have been praying and so faithful to pray, and we've got to pray. We've got to pray what's going on right now in our culture, in our nation, and streets of, of, of Philadelphia, and so many other things. We've got to pray. We've got to seek the Lord. How many know we've got to see justice run, amen, uh, uh, in our streets, and mercy run in our streets, and, and love, the love of God? We've got to see it. But I'm going to tell you something. It comes down. Everything is coming and revolves around one thing, and that is the capturing of men's hearts. To Jesus Christ, the saving of men's hearts. Paul said when it was all said and done, his, he said, my desire is to see all of Israel saved. That's what it's all about. How many know Jesus said, and, and Paul, or Peter spoke of Jesus, and he said he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. This is a fight. This is a fight about the mission. I know about you, but I want to stay on point. I, I want to I stay focused on the fight for the mission. How many know that there's so many people out there, amen, that are dying, and it's just unneedful for them to die. It's just untimely for them to die. They're dying at a young age. They're dying because they don't know. They're dying to be taking their life because they just don't see another way. But how many know God's called us to be involved in the mission this hour? Come on, somebody. Amen.
As long as we are content to live without revival, we certainly will. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm encouraged today to dig my heels in and, and to reach out more and to love more and to pray more and to see the mission of Jesus fulfilled in our city, in our town, in our day. Because it's only the gospel that's going to turn the hearts of men. What is, going to, what is going to stop hate? What is going to stop racism? What is going to heal our land? That is the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so I believe that, that as we agree, and we're going to pray for our city, we're going to pray for our, our nation today as we close. I believe that we're going to pray. We're not just going to pray, help us, Lord. We're going to pray for liberty. We're going to pray for freedom. We're going to pray for salvation. Is that right? Listen, this is the mission of Jesus. He said, I came to declare freedom. I came to declare liberty. I came to declare justice. Amen. And how many know when we begin to declare the gospel, justice comes. Is that right? Freedom comes. Liberty comes. There is an opening up of the prison doors. There is a releasing of people. There is a setting free. There is an opening of eyes and hearts to Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Amen. I just want to encourage you today. Maybe, I don't know, if some, something we've said that would encourage you and strengthen your faith. But let's just pray. Father, we thank you today that we're standing, and as Esther said, you've called us for such a time as this. We know, Lord, that the, what's happening, as Isaiah said about the time of Hezekiah, it's a serious time. We see it, Lord. We know it. We're aware of it. We know that the things that are happening in our culture and all we can do, the best we can do is cry out to the living God to get involved in our affairs, to come down and move among us and let heaven touch earth, Lord. That's what we want, God. We want to see people's hearts change. That's what it's about, Lord. It's a change of men's hearts and only, only through the gospel can that happen, Lord. Lord, today we pray that you would set our face like a flint. Lord, our, we just we realign our attention. We realign, Lord, our hearts with the mission. And Lord, we dig our heels in to say we're going to fight for the mission today. Lord, we serve an adversary that is serious about taking people out and destroying lives and destroying the church. But we're serious about living right and doing what's good. And Lord, preaching the gospel so the church can be strengthened. So that you can have your way in the earth today. Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the glory. I pray for healing today to run like a mighty river. I pray for deliverance today. So many people are more oppressed than ever. Since March, God, we've seen more people oppressed and depressed and anxious and suicidal. Lord, I pray for healing and deliverance today. If you're listening to me, just cry out to God and say, God, I need to be delivered. I need to be set free. There's darkness in my mind. There's darkness on my heart. And the gospel will come and bring light into your mind. The gospel will bring light into your heart today if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We thank you for it. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.